What is Demystifying Research? Hosted by me, Kelly Harris. And me, Catherine Hoyt. Demystifying Research is a space where we dialogue on training, careers, and all things research. Everything from is research right for me to thinking about applications, mentorship, which research degree is right for me, handling failure and rejection, CVs versus resumes, and funding. This is a space where we engage in discussions around the questions we all have or have had when considering a career in research and science. As clinician scientists, we seek to answer questions and address issues that aren't clearly addressed in more formal spaces, things that weren't addressed in our clinical training, questions that we may not know how or where to begin to seek answers. This is not a space only for scientists and researchers, but for anyone who may be interested in science and research. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. Maybe could you tell us a little bit about who you are, name, where you're at, and what you're doing now? So um, my name is Erica Curran. Um, I am at Dobbs Ferry High School at the moment, and um, I teach, I run the science research program here. Um, Dobbs Ferry is a small school in Westchester County, New York, and I've been here for eight years working and running this program. Um, I have run, I haven't, I've worked at other science research programs um, before, uh, and I'm actually, um, you know, just a, you know, kind of, I've, I've kind of gotten to a point here where I've, I've, I've um, really kind of developed my own approach at this point. Like, I feel like I've very much developed a rigorous curriculum and um, I enjoy watching the students, you know, go through it and develop. And it's just, it's been an extraordinarily enjoyable experience to, to be a part of. That's cool. So the science research program, what does that mean? Like, what is that? Can you talk a little bit about what the program is? Yeah. And you said you've been running it there for eight years, but you've been eight teaching years. for 15. But I've been teaching for 15. So I was previously um, an earth science teacher. Originally, I, I, I taught earth science uh, when I first started teaching high school. And then I taught physics for a little bit and earth science. And then I kind of just fell into this um, science research position. Um, and it's uh, what it is. It's, it was actually kind of perfect for me because I have this background in research and, and you know, like a background in data science, background in, you know, data collection and analysis and, um, and also scientific writing. So it kind of like spoke to kind of some unique skills that I just happened to have. And, um, but what it is, is it's, a, it's in most schools and in my school as well, it's a three-year program that starts in the sophomore year and sophomores will come in at the um, beginning of the year and be very green and not really know they're like not really sure what they're doing because there isn't any preparation for a course like this there's there's nothing that is similar in any of the high schools that i've i've seen that even does anything similar to what what we do um so they come in and and what the first thing we start to work on is we explore and I think the biggest uh, thing that they have to learn at that point, which I find interesting, is that science is so much bigger than they realize. At, the, at this point, so you're, they're coming in as after being freshmen in high school and they come in their sophomores. So they've had a lot of biology. <laughs> so, and that seems to be like most, the vast majority of what grade school kids are taught is bio you know, cells and plant biology and like there's, so they don't actually realize, I mean, they might know a little physics, a little chemistry, you know, but they don't realize like how vast 
science research is in the field of science research. And so um, the very first thing is I start to ask, you know, what kind of topics are you interested in? And, and almost invariably about half the students are all like, oh, I want to do biology. I want to do biomedicine. I want to be a doctor. I want to, um, great. So let's start reading some of these papers. But then I start sh like exposing them to other things like, oh, there's also neurology and there's also sociology and political science and data science. And um, these are all actually, you know, completely viable research areas, just as viable as microbiology or, you know, and, um, you know, astrophysics, you know, and their kids are like, oh, we could do astrophysics. Yes. You know, you could try, you know, it's hard. Some, some paths are much more challenging than others, but we've had several um, kids decide they do want to, you know, pursue astrophysics and do, they do incredible jobs with it. Um, you know, and some students come in and they just have some, some crazy questions and they're like, well, why do we, like one, one student right now who um, is absolutely brilliant, she wants to look into lucid dreaming and like kind of understand the nature of it. And if there's a way to um, influence object permanence in lucid dreaming. And it's just, it's, it's like, you know, like I don't even know how she's gonna approach this. It's very interesting stuff. Um, so, you know, they, can't, they, they would come in and they just wouldn't even realize that they're, are those that many options that it's that broad um which is almost daunting once they do realize that you can see like some kids it's too much some kids get like overwhelmed by like wait i don't know which way to go that's 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 a lot of information um but i do i talk to them a lot about the fact that um when we teach science up until this course we teach it as a book you know <laughs> like this is our book of science that this is what whatever's in the book is science and um, and that's not really what science is. And, and I talked to them about how really what science is, is the method that like hundreds of thousands of people have over, you know, hundreds of years used to compile more data and to interpret that data to the best of their ability at the time with the data and the tools that they have. And that's why it's always changing. That's why it's always evolving. And that's why for every, you know, it, thing that we find out and we figure out, we actually figure out, you know, a ton more questions about it. So it's just, it's, it's, it's really like a way of developing our understanding of the physical world less than an actual like tome of knowledge. <laughs> and it's, and so, and I talked to them about that, you know, that, you know, that's, that skill and understanding how that works and understanding how that community works is really the, the most important part of becoming a researcher is to realize that you're part of this this larger global community that's all adding their little pieces and their little perspectives and their amount of data that they collected so that someone else can benefit from it and maybe make the next step and maybe make the next step um, so that that's how we start um, and uh, then um, we work on other lots of other skills during the sophomore year. Sophomore year is, is probably the most structured part of the three-year program, but at least how I run it, um, because there's a lot of skills I want to teach them. We look at, um, we do, we, we, I teach them close reading for journal articles. Um, we work on putting together kind of an, their own personal lexicon for the vocabulary they would need to learn for their, their specific topic. Um, and so they do start to branch off into their different topics and the different things that they decide they're the most attracted to and the most excited about.
Um, and then we start to, then I start to say, okay, well, you're learning from journal articles. We start to read journal articles. So you're learning from these journal articles. So, so teach me or teach your classmates about what you're learning. And so then I, I make them start to teach us. And I, cause I feel strongly, like, at least this has been true in my life that the best way I've ever had to learn something like really, really, really learn it is when I had to teach it. And that's when, like, I would think I learned it before that. And then when I taught it, like, oh, now I, now I, I thought I knew before. No, I, now I know way more. And so, and, and even every time I teach it again, I learn more about the thing that I'm teaching. Um, so that's been an incredible experience with that. Um, so I do make them kind of teach me what they're learning. And we do a lot of work with um, presentation skills. We do a lot of work with graphic design. We do a lot of work with um, data analysis and data visualization. Um, you know, the idea of don't just say a bunch of numbers. If you can show it in a graph or you can show it, in a, you know, how much faster that is for, we talk about metacognition in the sense it's so much faster for someone to absorb that data if you can Put it in an understandable graph rather than just list a bunch of numbers and um, working on what kind of graph would be the best graph to represent that data and you know why would you use the bar graph versus a you know a linear regression model like what what types of data are we are we looking at and why are we doing that so there's a lot of um there's a lot of discussion on those those types of um topics and um towards the end of that sophomore year and i'm sorry if i'm being long-winded there's just i'm trying to fit three years of a lot into a short period of time. Um, so at the end of the, the sophomore year, um, what we put together as a final project is a, um, a summary of literature review that they have on a specific topic that they picked, um, an identification of a gap in research that they um, formulate into a problem statement. And then they um, identify variables in the forms of goals saying, I want to find out what happens when X is altered and what happens to Y um, and, you know, how, how that, you know, occurs. And we identify the variables, we identify the controls, um, depending on what type of project they're doing. If they're doing an engineering project, obviously, it's a little bit different how, how we set that up. And they make a graphic um, basically a graphic presentation um, a research plan. Um, so it's a, it's um, has, you know, their rationale, why, why this is an important thing to study. They have a literature review of, of, you know, supporting that this is, you know, showing how this is a gap in research that hasn't been looked at. And the, the thing that they're looking at is novel and they propose a methodology um, sometimes the methodology is based on other methodologies that they've seen in the past and they've just altered it and say, okay, well, they did it this way and that worked. So I'm going to try to do it the same thing, but I'm going to apply it in this different aspect. And, um, and then sometimes their methodology is, you know, something that they just thought up or that we thought of together and we brainstormed and like, oh, maybe we could approach it this way. And we, you know, um, and then they have some graphic um, representations of predicted data. And we're very, very careful. We don't put any numbers on it. It's just like shapes, which is why um, I really get into different kinds of graphs. Why, you know, what kind of graph would you use? And, you know, more like if you wanted to show that you think something's going to be bigger or larger amount of something after your experiment, you could, so you could have a before bar and an after bar, but don't put any actual numbers because 
there's no actual data yet. You know? So we're just showing what we think the data would look like. And, um, and then, you know, just a, a quick conclusion, and they all actually compete in a local science fair um, that's designed specifically for students who have not collected data yet and who are just designing these research plans. And they go and they present, and it's a, it's a really fun event. So that's actually what I'm working on with them right now is their final project, because that happens on June 3rd. Um, so that what those poster boards are for? That's, that's what a lot of these poster boards are that are around right now is sex. Uh, I have uh, 28 students participating um, this year as sophomores. So I'm pretty, it's a, it's a larger class and they're wonderful. They're amazing. I'm so impressed. That sounds um, like so much fun to be at that it, presentation today. It is. It's it's really fun. I think, um, and and the, the the downsides of that of the science research program in general is this, so we, it's a it's very hard to find the external support. Vast majority of the time. So the other thing that I'm doing with the sophomores, um, you know, also dealing juniors and seniors, I can explain what that is a little bit later, but. Um, is also trying to identify external mentors for them to work with. And that's actually how I, I, I met Dr. Harris. So, um, which was, uh, cause she's actually mentoring one of my incredible young aspiring researchers. And, um, and, and so, so we work on ways and basically it's cold calling like, or cold emailing. And like, so we come up with an email template um, and we, you know, I have the students help, help me with the email template every year. So it's not like just cookie cutter and, um, you know, and they all kind of adjust it to fit what they're looking at and what they're trying to do. And um, we make a resume and we reach out to researchers and the vast majority of researchers say no. They say, you know, I don't have time to work with a high school student. I'm working with undergraduates and I'm working with grad students and, you know, and, I, and that makes sense. Like, you know, and I, I can I can I can understand why, um, you know, they wouldn't want to um, necessarily dedicate a tremendous amount of time to a high school kid because in their experience, maybe that high school kid's not going to show up or like they and they don't want to have to be chasing anyone. They don't want to be saying, OK, did you do this? Did you do this? You know, like no researcher is going to want to do that. So um, and I explained that to my students. I'm like, look, if you get an internship, you need to be proactive. You need to if they give you an assignment. You need to make sure you get it done. If they tell you something, you need to make sure you write it down. No one is going to remind you to do these things. And it's on you to make sure that you're getting the information that you need and you're asking the questions that you need answered and you're recording it and you're taking good notes and you're following through and you're doing the things you're going to say you're going to do, because if you're not, it's not their job to make you. I think that's Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think that's a really important point of like prepping the learners and how to engage with with researchers and with mentors and people from all over the place. I guess I'm wondering a little bit. I've got two questions from what yeah. from what you've said. Do all the students in your school that are interested in science participate in this or do they like self-select or apply? And then the secondary question, I'm interested kind of in that email, like how do you pitch it to potential mentors? Like if, you know, I'd be a mentor for uh, somebody in high school that was interested in science. But That's good. I, no, I have someone for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like I would totally do that. But I guess like, what's the pitch? Like what? What do um, high school students actually do when they're working with um, a, a researcher? So, I mean, as far as reaching out is concerned, um, like that the beginning is, um, so we read a lot of journal articles and I teach them the difference between reading super, super in-depth 
on a journal article, right? Versus skim reading an article and getting the idea and understanding maybe if this is some a direction you want to understand more about, you know, and then you have to like kind of internally answer that question before you really dive deep. Because like we all have time um, restrictions and we can't read five hours in one journal article for all the journal articles. It's, you know, no, no one really has the time to do that. Um, but there are some that you need to spend that much time with and and it's and it's a it's an important ability to discern which ones are important which ones you know you want to just get the gist of or maybe it's ones that you get the gist of and you put it on the well that's going to be important for later kind of pile or however you, you they're, they're organizing it so we talk a lot about that but um to start with we do read a lot of journal articles and then once students decide what direction they want to go they start to look for researchers online and um, they start to find different researchers and then look into what they've published and if that's something similar to the th kind of stuff that they're excited about. Um, and then they'll find some of the papers that the researcher has um, published, recent papers, hopefully. Um, and they will read through them. Either they'll do a really in-depth one if they're super, super excited, or maybe they'll read through and just do a couple, like, you know, little notes in the margins and stuff um, just to see, see what's going on. And then they craft an email to send to that researcher. Um, so in the past, it's usually been just local researchers. We're very lucky. We're close to New York City, so there's quite a bit of research happening very nearby. Um, but honestly, after COVID and the ability to just Zoom call, everyone's super comfortable with Zoom calls, everyone's super comfortable with remote work. Um, there's a lot more options for students to do um, all different kinds of remote work, data analysis, image analysis, um, you know, working on surveys together, like all kinds of stuff that, that can be done remotely, which has um, been really opened some doors, which has been, been tremendous. Um, so we do to start to reach out to these different researchers. And um, so what I'll do is I'll give students kind of a skeletal idea of, hey, this is what a professional email looks like. This is what a professional resume looks like. This is what you want to, this is how you want to sound. You don't, you have to have a subject in the email, you know, like don't send someone an email with no subject in it because they're not going to take you seriously because it doesn't look professional. So we talk about, you know, how you handle yourself professionally through an email. Um, and then they write different drafts of emails and send them to me and I'll okay them. And once I start okaying them and I see they get the idea, I let them kind of go. I'm like, all right, you, you know how to do this. You know what kind of stuff you should say, go ahead. And when you find someone you want to email, you just go ahead and do it. And then, um, so, and they'll usually CC me so that I can kind of try to keep track of, you know, who said yes, who said no, those types of things. Um, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of researchers say no. But the ones that say yes, you know, um, it's the way things look after that point. Once a researcher agrees to work with a student is their, you know, wonderful, unique breed of humans that I am extremely grateful for. Um, that. Uh, once, once they have agreed to do this, it can look so vastly different depending on what the topic is. So if someone's doing astrophysics and they're at Columbia University, it'd be quite easy for the student to actually go to the university and work in the lab doing astrophysics. Um, that's actually a thing that has happened. Or, you know, if some student wants to do basic science, um, you know, they might end up in the actual basic science lab with, you know, Petri dishes and tissues and, his, you know, just doing different types of 
chemical analyses or, you know, however it is. And then there's also students that, you know, want to do surveys or they want to collect data from certain demographics um, that can look very different or students that are working with wildlife. They um, like I had one student who was working with spawning eels. It was very interesting. And but she had to collect these eels, these baby glass eels and identify them and like do a survey, this, this actual survey during the spring in the Hudson River. So she would go out in, you know, March and April and like go out in her waders and collect these little baby eels that were swimming upstream in the Hudson River. And, you know, so it's, it just, it's all at that point, everyone kind of like starts going in different directions. And then I become what I see my role as at that point is kind of like a leaf blower. Because, you know, like, I don't know, like, and it's, a, it's a weird analogy um, that actually uh, my original mentor who taught me how to do teach science research used to use. And this, like, you know, when you're you're blowing leaves, there's always a few that, like, go off to the right, you know, and then you have to go around to the right and bring them back into the fold, you know. And then, then when you do that, oh, there's someone that went off to the left. So you got to, like, pull them back and you're trying to keep them all going in one direction. But you get you get some that, like split off. And so it's, it's, it's like my job to try to keep everybody moving forward at a similar pace, you know, and just making sure that everybody has what they need and, and that they actually understand what they're talking about. And we just, and we sit down and I do a lot of like, all right, explain this to me. Like, what is this? Teach this to me. Tell me what's it, what, what, what it is. Tell me what you're talking about here. How does this work? How does that work? You know, did you think about these aspects of this? So there's just like a lot of just meetings and discussions, um, a lot of small group work, a lot of one-on-one work, um, that kind of stuff for me with the students. So to answer your question, like, what does it look like when the student is working with a mentor? It can look like many, many, many different things. <laughs> um, and I've had mentors work every day with my students and just give them absolute, like, focused attention on them. And the students just had an incredible experience with that. And then I've had other other mentors that just really didn't have the extra time to do that. But they would spend, you know, an hour to two hours a week with the student and say, like, okay, I want you to get these things done. This is how I want you to do it. We'll meet back next week. You show me how far you got, and then we'll go from there. And that's, that's a pretty common way of um, you know, balancing all the stuff that the researchers have to do and also trying to be available for the student. Um, and that's also very effective. So it's, it's that and everything in between, you know. Um, I hope I that answered your question. No, it does. And I, um, well, Catherine, you asked, but <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was an excellent answer. Yeah. Um, a, it sounds like it is so much, right? It sounds like you're doing a lot, managing a lot of moving parts. Um, you talked about 28 sophomores, but then also juniors and seniors. So it sounds like a lot. It and is one of, the, it's big, yeah. one of the things I'm wondering is, A, kind of how, does, how is this funded? So it sounds like it's a program in your particular school. Is it in multiple yes. schools, just your school? What does that look like? Um, well, kind of, what would someone do if they wanted to start a similar program? That's what I think we're thinking about. That's a, um, so there's actually, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a plug right now because and he'll he's gonna have to thank me for this later um there's a gentleman michael blueglass um have you heard of his name at all um if not he's he's like kind of the guru of science research around here he um he started the westchester science and engineering fair over 20 years ago um and he's the president of the board now at the that's the biggest fair in the region um and he retired a couple of years ago and he's actually started 
um, traveling the country to teach other schools how to implement a high school science research program and you know what's involved in that and how to get it set up um so in it because it is extensive it is it is there's a lot of like you said a lot of moving parts and a lot of little like things you wouldn't necessarily think of that can definitely trip you up if you're not prepared for them. Um, so, um, so yeah, the name is Michael Blueglass. He's, uh, he's tremendous and um, a very, um, very passionate about this type of education. And he's really been probably one of the biggest supporters and promoters of that in this area. So because of that, in this particular area, most of the Westchester high schools and most of the New York City high schools and Long Island high schools, and even some in Putnam County and Ulster County, which are some other counties that are a little bit further north, um, all have these science research programs. Um, and they all have science research teachers to varying levels. Some of them are after school programs. Some of them are full-time teachers. Some of them have multiple teachers, um, depending on how much resources the school is deciding to put towards that program. But they're very prevalent in, in most, most of the schools in this area, uh, which makes the Westchester Science and Engineering Fair very um, competitive. <laughs> it's so, it's like, which is good, because you know if you make it there and you're winning there, you know you're doing a good job, you know, you know that you've definitely you know it's not uh there's no there's no like participation award at the at WESF like you feel good but the truth is you should get a participation award because just getting into it is a challenge and just getting recognized because you have to there's certain checkpoints that you really have to get through or they will not let you in you know when they're very very strict about it um because it's not like hey i built a volcano kind of science fair it's 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 um these students are doing incredible graduate level research and data analysis and um, particularly by the time they get to be seniors um, they are are their their projects are just so incredibly sophisticated they it just blows my mind um, but i should explain because i kind of skipped that part that um, once the students come back from the summer between their sophomore and their junior year usually that's when most of the research that they're doing for their first project takes place is during the summer um, we they come in and then we start to work immediately as juniors on scientific writing uh, we put together a 10 to 20 page apa based uh, science research paper which is different than a journal article. Um, students always are like, but my journal articles all sound like this. I'm like, we're not writing a journal article. <laughs> we're writing a science research paper, which is a little different. Um, and so we're, um, you know, so we put that together and that's, that's something else that they can't get in any other classes. All the other classes, they get a lot of incredible writing and reading experiences, but most of it is persuasive essays or creative writing, um, you know, and it's not really technical scientific writing. And that's something that, you know, we really work on is how do you structure it? How, what are the sections? What do they mean? Why are they important? Why do we do it this way? Um, how do you use the citations? How, you know, what is the, we have to talk about um, tense disagreements. That's actually like a thing that students tend not to realize how important tense disagreements are. Um, so we have to work on what's past tense and, you know, what's future tense and why we don't use those together. <laughs> so um, it's like a, it's a, so there's um, a lot of that that we work on in the early part of the year. But then we, um, we take those papers and we apply to competitions and co like in, in, in college, 
and I guess there are some co competitive conferences that I never experienced any competitive conferences when I was in college. I just went to conferences and we just presented and there was no prizes or awards. We just, it was collegiate and it's just a time to exchange ideas. Um, so when I first heard about competitive science research, I was like, what? <laughs> like they, they compete? Like, how do they do that? Like, how, how does that even work it's out? so cool um, for, um, for high schoolers to have the opportunity to just get engaged in that entire scientific process. Um, yes. I definitely had no exposure to that. My science experience in high school is very much like, here's how you, here's, your book. here's the textbook. Here's how this, what, what the scientific process is as written in a textbook, but not how it applies to like real life or how it would look or anything right. like that. And it's um, answering questions instead of asking them, right? Like that. Yeah. Like yes. Undergrad yes. graduate school difference too. Yes, if that's the big, instead of the finding that that's actually one of the big um, moments that I see as sophomores is when, you know, they're learning all this stuff, they're learning all this stuff. I'm like, okay, now what's the question? What hasn't been learned? And they all look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, what's your question now? And that's like a, such a moment for them where I'm like, now, once you start asking that question, then you're a researcher. That's what makes, once you start asking those questions of like, wait, they didn't answer this part. And you realize, well, no one's answered this part. You can't look it up on Google. There's no, this is a question Google can't answer. This is, this is a question that has not been answered. And once they start to find that and get excited about that, that's, I feel like when they really kind of turn into researchers and start to get really passionate and excited. So um, with that, do they stay with the same mentor from for sophomore, junior, senior year? If it's working, yes, you know, um, and I and I use that caveat of if it's working because sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes the student isn't super receptive to the mentor. Sometimes the mentor isn't super receptive to the student, and these, you know, these are humans that, you know, may or may not actually get along. Or some, you know, I've often had it that, you know, the, you know, and these are high school students. Um, I've had high school students that just didn't show up. <laughs> like, which is very frustrating when that happens and I'm very upset with them. Um, and I've had, you know, mentors who just actually just never called back, <laughs> like yeah. agreed to do it and agreed that they were interested and, and then just stopped responding to emails. Um, so it's, uh, you know, so yes, usually if it's possible and it's working out for everyone, cool. that is the preferred um, situation because what I found is in the junior year, particularly, um, students will come back and we have to write this paper. They have all this data. They're kind of started analyzing it. They, you know, they have a methodology that they worked on and they did some of this methodology to collect the data and then like they, and they don't, they've just got all this stuff in their brain and just hasn't fully been processed yet. What happened? It's like, you know, and so it isn't actually until we write the paper and then we start working on the poster actually, or the presentations that they're going to do. And like, it's usually around December, January. Um, and it's like one of my favorite times of the year is because I get to watch them and they go, Oh, oh, I know what I did. Oh, I get this. This is what I, this is cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. You did something cool. Thing. cool. Yeah. And then they're like, oh my gosh. And then, and you can see them, like all the pieces kind of click into place and they're like, oh, wow, this makes sense. I get why this happened. I get why this, you know, why these things are working together. And I understand the previous research. And so it's really beneficial at that point for them to go back to the same 
researcher to the same lab because there's so much, they, they've developed so much and they have so much deeper of an understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they want to do it and how they want to approach it. And they're better at asking questions and they're better at coming up with the, their own ideas. Um, and uh, that's why I feel like the senior projects sometimes are just absolutely mind-blowing projects like just really advanced stuff because the kids are now armed with this knowledge um and they've just become so much more independent and independent thinkers uh which is uh pretty impressive that's really it's it's really cool first of all um i do you feel like given that this is kind of a broad thing in the new york area that it does reach a you know kind of broad diversity of learners and it, it, does it increase access to research? Like I'm wondering a couple different things. I'm wondering A, if you guys track outcomes and like do students go on to research careers in graduate school? But then I'm also wondering, um, is this supporting folks, you know, as Catherine said, like I didn't have an, a similar experience either. And so I think a lot of students um, would say that, but I'm also wondering, is this kind of a bridge for students who have even less exposure to that perhaps? Um. In this school, yeah, I mean that. That's it. so. So I do track outcomes just to start there. And um, all my students have gone on to four-year colleges and done very well. Um, some have, I would say, the vast majority. Um, I would think like almost. I'm just if I was going to guess a percentage off the top of my head, um, currently it's probably around 96% going to STEM fields. Some go into finance ultimately or something else, but they, they tend to go into STEM fields and uh, uh, often, um, especially like students do say that they found their passion of what they want to do in science research. I've had a lot of um, students tell me that um, as they're, you know, in their um, their final years and I actually just had we have a yearly symposium where all the students come and especially the seniors present their their research their final research projects to the community and this year I had a keynote speaker who was actually my student who graduated in 2019 and um, she came back and she was the keynote speaker this year and um, she was incredible. She's going on to Duke to study primate anthropology. And at one point, like her and her mother, I mean, me and her mother are standing next to each other, both of us just like crying because <laughs> she was so impressive. And I was just, it's just completely overwhelming. And she's talking about all of this research she's done as an undergrad and what her research project's going to be at Duke. And, and it's just like, you know, like you see like your babies all grown up, you know, and like, like it was literally both her mom and I were like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because it's like there, she's now this incredibly intelligent, well-spoken, poised, you know, accomplished researcher. And um, it's just so wonderful to see that happen. Um, and to like know you had a part in the little hand and helping them get to that point. It's very rewarding. That sounds um, so cool. Like, so fun to see that. I just wanted to let anybody who's listening know on the website, we'll be linking out to Erica's program and then also the advancing STEM research teaching, which um, is led by uh, Michael Bluegrass that you had mentioned a couple minutes ago. Yes, yeah, uh, I'll um, I'll get you I'll get you his information. I'm not sure, um, but we'll definitely link that stuff up to you. He didn't he didn't know I was going to be mentioning him, but I'll I'll get you all his information. I got the link to his website. Oh, you found him already. You're quick. See, good researcher. So. <laughs> Pro Googler. Yeah. Um, 
yes, no, that he's a, you know, he would be, he travels all over the country. Um, and, you know, for, so if there's a school out there that wants to start one, um, I would, I would recommend contacting him. Um, he'd probably be the guy to do it because he knows what he's doing. He's very, very, he's been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> so yeah, he's, um, he's the OG. Wow. Uh, I would say that. Wow, this has been, um, it's been great, A, to learn about the program, I think, and just to think about, um, you know, it's a science research program, but I heard so much about even just building like the soft skills in terms of learning how to yeah. read how to work. I don't remember in high school um, being, you know, super confident about reaching out to, you know, college professors for whatever I might, you know, want. And so I think just I'm just amazed, I think, at the at what you're able to accomplish with. Um, I wasn't confident in grad school reaching out to others. Yeah, listen, it's, like that, it's interesting that you guys bring that up because, especially this year, for some reason, and, and and alumni have mentioned this to me before, but this year, multiple alumni have come back to visit me, and they said, you know, one of the things that benefited me the most, and the, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of different things. They said that the scientific writing was very beneficial in college. They said the organizational skills were beneficial in college, like all these different things, the softer skills that they're talking that you're talking about, how those are beneficial. Um, but one of the multiple students told me this year that it's the, the um, courage to cold email researchers and just say, hey, I like what you're researching. I am really interested and I want to come and work with you. I come and work with you for free and just help out. And the courage to do that and reach out and to, you know, and to be like, yeah, the worst they can say is no. And so just kind of move on and keep trying. And, um, and I think that is an incredible skill in any field, to be honest, um, right. to be able to have that you know, ability to say, all right, I want to do this. You're doing the thing that I want to do. Can I come and work with you? And um, so, yeah, and that's how, you know, the, 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 you know, the woman I was just talking about is going to do come, you know, her, her name is Abigail human. And um, so, you know, Abigail was saying that that's how, that's what she had to do. She just reached out to researchers and said, Hey, I like your research. I'm interested. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, how can I help? And it's just one thing led to another thing, led to another thing. And she developed all these incredible skills that ultimately has led her to where she's at now. Yeah, I, th I think it's excellent. I am. Um, so I'm so excited about the program. I'm excited to know you. I'm excited to be a mentor for. I'm so, I'm so excited for you to be a mentor for Isha. She's wonderful. Yeah. So I, I think it's excellent. I think, um, you know, when we think about just in the context of all of the things that we talk about here, um, we think so much about research as this, like after you get out of your undergrad degree, then you can think about these things. And so I think, you know, what you shared with us is really um, thinking about it in a different perspective yeah. and thinking about all of the skills we have to build and bring to the table if we want to do this work. So um, we appreciate you joining us today. This has been um, great. Oh, thanks Thank for having me. This is really nice to kind of talk about, you know, this cool stuff that I, I do. Like there's so many, there's so many um, people that I work with that have no idea what I'm doing in here. They're just like, it's like this weird black box that I just go into and then these like researchers come out. Um, so, and so it's like, it's nice to be able to, to kind of talk about. Thank you for joining us today. Check out our other episodes to hear more. 
You can find the first season on YouTube under Washington University Program and Occupational Therapies channel under the First Fridays for OT Research playlist. And more episodes of Demystifying Research linked under the Research tab on the Washington University OT webpage at ot.wustl.edu. That's ot.wustl.edu. Send us your ideas for future episodes at demystifyingresearch.